How many of you feel powerful? I mean, really powerful. Yeah, fair enough. That's a good answer. Um, if you were really feeling full of power, the, the, there would be life coming out of you that would be absolutely amazing. If we, had, if we were living in the inheritance of what God has for us, we would, this place would be packed. Because the, the, the Spirit of God would be just pulsating through us. I'm not speaking anything negative tonight, by the way. If you think that you can do it without God's Spirit, then you might as well leave now because I will insult you. If you think that you can follow Jesus in your own strength, then you, you, there's no point in being here because you don't need what I'm going to say. Um, what I'm trying to say, therefore, is that if you're insulted by the fact that you can't do Christianity in your own strength, then um, may God bless you. Filled, Paul says, Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and I keep saying this when we talk, um, we need a sense of humor following Jesus, because Jesus makes us look poor and weak. And unless we're willing to be poor and weak, we don't have much hope of keeping up with Him. So our egos and our self-confidence need to go out the door in order for us to be able to receive what He has to bring us back in that door. Paul wrote from, the, uh, from, from prison. I, I say this every time I talk about Paul. He's chained in, in Rome. He's about to face death or maybe in the next two years. He has served God faithfully for at least 25 years and the, 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 the outcome of his serving God and following Jesus is chains, persecution, flogging, shipwrecks, misery. What's your level of suffering like? What does it take for you to go depressed and moan? The sprinkler's broken. What's your level of suffering? Because what Paul did, when you read Ephesians, you wouldn't know that Paul was chained to Roman guards facing death with nothing ahead of him other than death, which he actually said he was looking forward to. to, be, to for me to be with Jesus, but I guess I'll stay because I need to serve him here. Paul wrote um, with the peace and the confidence of somebody, as I said this morning, who was on a Caribbean cruise. Because he had learned how to be content in every circumstance, so he didn't have to go on a cruise to be relaxed. He didn't have to go on a cruise to be, get away from it all. In the midst of Roman guards and persecution, he actually said, I've learned to be content. I think one of the biggest things we could learn is how to be content. We live in the wealthiest country, and we're often the most discontented. Like, how many more toys do we need? How many more holidays do we need? How many bigger houses do we need? What's, gonna, what's it going to take to make you content? This wasn't in the script. I shouldn't go down this road. There's a reason for that. But Paul was not writing to the Ephesians with some kind of sentimental, I, just, I, I pray God bless you. He really, really meant it. He said, I pray that you be filled, filled with the fullness of God more than you can ask or imagine. That you would know His love deep within you more than you've ever known Him before. And Paul was an intellectual, so the intellectual professor says, of all the things I could tell you, the one thing I want to impart to you is that you know the love of Jesus. 
And you go, that's just sentimental. Give me some facts. And he goes, that's the fact. But I pray that you wouldn't know the love of Jesus in your head. I pray that you'll know it in your heart. Because out of your heart will come life. And every cry of your heart will be met as Jesus lives in you, loves you, and releases his spirit. As somebody else, I thought that was quite a good point and merited a hallelujah or something, but never mind. The Spirit of God... (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not getting angry at all. The Spirit of God is about power. If you want power, you need God's Spirit. And what did Jesus, how did Jesus teach? One of the, Jesus walked through the, the hills of Galilee, the streets of Jerusalem. He walked uh, from Jerusalem to Nazareth, down to Galilee, back up to Jerusalem. That was pretty much it. And he taught. And Jesus walked through um, fields. He walked through mountains. He says, upon this rock I will build my church. He says, uh, the rain falls on the wheat and it falls on the weeds, on the righteous and the unrighteous. He takes examples from life all the time. He says, I am the bread of life. If you believe in me, out of you will come streams of living water. He says, uh, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me. They were familiar to that. He says, the sparrows. God knows each one of them. Not one falls to their death and he doesn't care about them. How much more will he care about you? All the time, Paul, uh, Jesus took the physical. In Galilee, you look out across, the, 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 across uh, Galilee to the mountains where Nazareth is and there's the, the sun, often at sunset, it goes bright red. And he says, you know how to tell the weather from the signs of the skies, but you don't know how to tell the signs of the times. My point is that Jesus often took the physical in order to help us see what we cannot see. But the principles are the same. So if you can see, the, he said, uh, you're a father, you know how to love your children. How much more does the father? Always jumping from what you can see, and he says, and then this is how. So one of the, the home, one of the ways he talked about the spirit And the Spirit is the power of God. The Spirit came upon Jesus when he was beginning his ministry. He couldn't do it without the Spirit. And after the Spirit came upon him, he began to heal and release the power of God. And he said, apart from my Father, I can do nothing. And I've lived a good life. He said to the disciples before they, after the crucifixion and resurrection, when they realized that Jesus was Somebody, I mean, they had always thought, but now they really knew. They saw the resurrection of Jesus. They touched him. And he said, wait in Jerusalem until you've received power, until you've received my spirit. Because you cannot follow me and you cannot do what I have for you to do unless you have power from on high. And I want to, tonight, in the next 20 minutes, make sense of that in a way that I pray from, I really do, I pray that God will inspire you. And that you will understand something about how to step into this with a degree of confidence that maybe you haven't had before. Um, Because it's so easy to dismiss these things. 
So let's use nature, let's use the human body. The human being is described as what? Body? Body, mind, body, soul, body, mind and spirit, right? You value and nurture what you believe in, what you regard as important. So, when you are born, or when a child is born, you have a body in front of you. How many of you, um, when a baby is born, have said, um, God, thank you for the birth of this child, now we just want to know what to do? I haven't got a clear word from from Lord yet, so we're not feeding that child. You see that child born and you know that the body needs food. So you feed that body, right? Anybody got a problem with that? If you don't feed that body, you end up with malnourishment, you end up with dead babies. You know that. How many of you have a problem with that? That baby grows into two or three or four years old and you begin to say what you begin to say at three or four years old when Carol Ann's around. Not look after my baby. What's she going to do? Why is she teaching? Who's she going to be teaching? She said four-year-olds. Not Calgary is not the only place four-year-olds get taught. Or is it? Four years old get taught here too, right? Why? Because you're feeding the child and then you come to the point where you say the child needs to be educated, to learn. So you take the child and its mind to school and you start teaching the child about how to think, how to understand, how to read, how to write, all that stuff, right? Anybody got a problem with that? We're quite proud of it in the developed world. We say that's part of civilization. Have you ever heard anybody say, um, I heard it this week. I didn't want to tell my child what to believe, so when they're old enough, they can work out what to believe. Terribly open-minded. Stupid as five bricks in a... So the body, body, mind and spirit, the body will be fed, the mind will be fed, and the spirit will be left until the child can decide. What do you think happens to the spirit? It withers down to nothing. Why? Because it hasn't been attended to the same way as the body and the mind has been attended to. So when you decide something, you're dealing with a withered plant. Think about it like this. You're going to The body needs exercise. Take a contemporary example. So children go on the computer and they run races, (laughs) in virtual races. And they 
develop muscle tone in two fingers. You say, I'm going to think about exercising. I'm going to engage my mind. I'm going to read about exercising. And the process of reading about exercising and thinking about exercising is going to make me sleek and trim. Correct. You can't exercise the body through the brain. You have to engage the body in exercise for the body to benefit from that exercise. Correct. This is not rocket science tonight, I promise you. This is not beyond us. Now, take the other way around. You go on a treadmill every day and you do lots of exercises and you become buff and sleek and cool, physically. And you talk about being educated, but you just go to the gym every day. What do you end up as? A dumb jock. That's a good idea, yeah. Thank you. You don't exercise your mind on a treadmill. You have to engage your mind in order to grow your mind. If that's so obvious to us, why is the nurture of the Spirit so confusing? Do you know what we do with the Spirit? We come to a church on a Sunday night, Sunday morning, and we say, oh God, here I am. And then we leave after an hour and think, well, that, thank God that's over. That's like going to a gym once a week for an hour and saying, that's it for my body, and then going to a, a, a restaurant for an hour and feeding and saying, that's it. And then we're surprised when there's no results. We're surprised when nothing seems to change. This is not to rebuke us. This is merely to say, what would Jesus say about this? If you look at, I looked at the, 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 the sort of... Uh, Content of the body. Bear in mind that the spirit, uh, the, one of the symbols of the spirit in the Bible is water. So I look at the, the way the body is made up, and it says, the body, I'll read to you, the body is 80% water. It goes down to 60 to 50%, depending over your as you grow older and men and women. It's approximately... 70% of the human body is made up of water. The brain is composed of 70% of water. The lungs are approximately 90% of water, while the bones are 22% of water. About 83% of the blood is made up of water. So Jesus takes dust and he takes 30% or 20% and add water. You've got a human being, sort of. But a potato is also 80% water. You could be a couch potato, yes. <laughs> it's 80%. What's the difference? But the difference between the potato or the animal and the human creation is the spirit. And what happens if God says, just as you look at the physical, 80% of what makes you come alive as a unique human being is from the spirit. So you have just neglected 
80% of God's gift to you by focusing on the 20% or the 30%. Neglecting the Spirit is like getting a package and opening the package, putting the content down and keeping the package sweet. Worrying about your body in isolation from your spirit is like trying to keep this package new when it's going to get burned one day. This package isn't going through death. Sorry. The only resurrection we've ever seen on earth as in heaven is Jesus. Everyone else, I've taken lots of funerals. They don't come back. They usually go in a box across to Nanaimo. They come back in a little bar, jar. It's not a lot. That's it. And the family fight over all the stuff you had. That's it. Because the spirit can't be contained there. So why would you spend all your time investing in something that's going to be burned and neglect something that's actually going to be what moves on? My point, well, there are lots of things I'm trying to say here, but it's not that obscure, is it? Look at it this way. We have to stay alive by feeding the body, and it's good for us to exercise the body. I'm not speaking rocket science. (laughs) So what do we do in our cultures? We make exercise fun. We play games. We go to gyms. We get all kinds of outfits because we like looking good when we're getting fit. And we have a thousand different things. I mean, you would th- what has happened to the human race? In the last 20 years, you need to be hydrated. Before that, what did they do, for God's sake? <laughs> and we have been seduced by the biggest marketing scam in the world. I'd like to sell you some water. Well, I know Eskimos don't take ice, but we'll take water. I'll pay two bucks for water. Wow. I mean, great to the marketing guys. Can I sell you some water? You can get in your tap, but this is beautiful water. It's glacier water. It comes from my tap. <laughs> it's amazing what we do because we're going to now be young. And we spend a fortune being young, tucked and nipped and all the rest of it. Getting the package right for a few years. It's sad and serious. It's sad and serious. So we create places of enjoyment to feed the body and feed and exercise. You have gyms, you have games, you have sporting events, you have restaurants for the feeding and stadiums for the eating. Why do you not think that God desired that the growing of the Spirit would be just as much fun as the eating and the educating. You know what you get when you ignore the Spirit? You get religion. You get feeding the mind and feeding the body. You get religion. Because it never rises above what you can think. It never rises above your intellect. It's boring. It becomes ritual and work. People who will not take the Spirit seriously 
will throw you the throw the Bible at you, will throw morality at you, will throw Christian values at you. They will throw all kinds of behavior modification at you. They will say, if you do wrong, I thought you were a Christian. Which is the most stupid question under the sun in many ways. Christians, the only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is a Christian knows where to be forgiven and has begun a journey of being transformed. There is nothing perfect about a Christian. (laughs) Not the ones I've ever met anyway. And God said, the reason he, he forgave your sins was that he wanted to break the barrier so that you could receive power to become transformed and to be different. That's what Paul's writing about. Human beings are created with a spirit inside to come alive. And what does that spirit release? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, perseverance, everything that actually the world craves, the Spirit releases. But it releases from the inside out. And yet many, many people in the Christian church are still trying to get those things from the same places they got them beforehand. They're just asking God to bless them now. And they're still as unhappy as ever. And when people are unhappy and they're faking it, they get very conservative and they get very opinionated. And then they start saying, I don't like this and I don't like that, and they critique everything. It's how we work. And God's desire is that we would be a people who actually have joy and life flowing from us. And so he says, Paul uh, Paul says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I love that phrase. I want you to know, I know the love that surpasses knowledge. How do I know the love that surpasses knowledge? You experience it. And then you know that you know, but I don't know how to tell you this, but I just know that I know. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How big is that? That's full. How full is that? What does it feel like? How many of you are waiting for a feeling to be full? How do you know you're not full already? What's the point of being full if it never comes out? A new battery When is a battery full? It's full. How do you know it's full? But you put it into something that needs power and the power is released and you go, oh, that's a good battery. Ask a car battery, what's it like to be full? He says, full, heavy, square. How do you know it works? You plug it in. For most of us, we are full, but we don't get used for anything so we just walk around saying, oh God, give me more, give me more. And he says, why would you want more? You've got as much, you can't even handle what you've got. And by the way, you're full of stuff that is supernatural, so it's only going to be released in the supernatural. So we get frustrated. Because the body says, oh, I don't believe that. And the mind says, I don't understand that. And the spirit says, I wish you'd just let me flow. 
I guarantee almost everybody here is stuck. We call it humility, we call it unbelief, we call it all kinds of things. And you don't have to call it anything other than, I'm a little fearful that you are fuller than you know. There's more power than you than you realize. And God has equipped you to do everything He wants you to do if you just draw on Him. I'm going to show you an illustration to put this in perspective for you. Cool illustration. It might not be working, but we'll see. Fill to the measure of the fullness of God. All right. This is... Oh. This is a human being. Nice, shiny, bling. This is a human being. Body, spirit, mind. You want to pull this uh, thing off? Just, I just want you to feel the uh, strength of that. It's quite strong, right? You want to try? This is a human being. You're pulling on his mind right now. There you go. It's quite strong. Very strong magnets. Every human being that we come in contact with comes into the earth like this. You have some funny looking things around and you go, I don't know what that's for. Haven't ever seen that used. So you just say, it's a body and a mind. So I better educate the mind and feed the body. Jesus comes into the world. What happens when you're born? When you're born, what's the first thing that happens apart from being born out into the open? What gets cut? What does the umbilical cord do? Sorry? Oxygen? Keeps that baby alive in the mother. It's hooked up to the mother, otherwise it can't live. Correct? What happens if when that cord is cut, God the Father says, that child is never meant to be without an umbilical cord of some kind. And I want to release my spirit into that child. Although that spirit is released at conception, I want to activate that spirit so that child never is an orphan, never is alone, never is without resource. So Jesus comes into the world and he looks a little different. He looks like this, but something else is different. He comes in and he's got his umbilical cord connected. It's invisible. Right, now I've got to go up here so you can see this. Jesus says the reason of a human being is body, mind, and spirit. You can't see the spirit. You're wired for the spirit. The spirit is in you. You can't see it. You can't actually see the mind either. You see evidence of the mind in some people. <laughs> Others, you just go by faith. There is someone home. The lights are on. <laughs> Hello. Um, and Jesus, when he uh, was baptized, power was released into him. 
and something changed. And he said, this is what human beings... Now, this is the part that uh, is going to take some testing. He said, you've got a spirit in you, and that spirit actually is created uh, to give you strength, support, and enable you to do things you could never do without it. But it takes a, a whole lot of time. It's an awkward angle. But what this is going to do is it's going to float here. And we'll stay here all night till it does. I can feel the force of this thing now, actually. I can feel it pushing against me. I'm just trying to get it in position. You can see it's standing there. I'm not holding it right now. I'm just pressing it. Now that is... The spirit is activated. You can't see it. But there's power that comes from a power source that enables this power to be released that was always in there. And when Paul says to, I pray that God will release in you the full measure of God's Spirit, he's saying, that's what I'm praying for. That's a Christian filled with the Spirit. A Christian magnetized to the body and the two closely clinging together is not evidence of humility. It's not evidence of, oh, I just don't believe in that stuff. It's just evidence that you haven't discovered the power. What does this do? It glorifies something else. It glorifies whatever. Um, let me tell you, I could, I could do all kinds of things here, but I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time here. But this thing actually can take um, a fair amount of weight Thing doesn't look very secure, but it can take quite a lot of weight. This thing, it'll actually take this, but I'm not sure I can balance it without it sort of going out of whack. In other words, there's a strength in this that's invisible but very powerful. If I had some, it, it'll spin around. I mean, we can get stuff, it'll take nearly a pound of weight. You see it? I'm trying to give you, an, I paid a hundred bucks to show you this illustration. So, what's the point? The point is that what happens if this is what God is talking about when he says, be filled with my spirit. This is why my son went to the cross. My son went to the cross so that you would actually know what it's like to live in a pl place with power in you and through you that you can't, you can't get naturally. And the point is, the, point is uh, the reason your spirit's not active and the reason that this isn't evident in you is because you spent all your time feeding the body and the brain and you haven't spent any time letting the spirit get nurtured because this is the evidence of a nurtured spirit. But it's never too late.
So this isn't about feeling guilty. It's just about saying, I never knew. As I move this, I can feel the power of these magnets. So guess what? You know, One of the things I'm doing here, rather than worrying about having it perfect, is saying, just as it takes time to get this floating, it also takes time to, to understand and grow in the Spirit. Many of us expect God to do in us what we would call, if we did the same thing with eating and drinking and educating, we would go, you're insane. We think that a prayer is all we need to walk in God's Spirit. We think a prayer is all we need to actually grow with Jesus. It's not. It's nurturing a spirit just like you nurture a body and you nurture a mind. And I just want to encourage you. There are three things that I can show up, read up, and, work, and look up. You need people so that we can actually encourage with one another to see things we don't see on our own. You need to read the Scriptures to find out what Jesus does and what's possible and to get to know the heart of God. And you need worship, which is part of releasing your heart to God and opening your heart to Him together. Nurture your spirit. Ask God what he, how He wants to nurture. But He doesn't want you, He wants you to just actually take responsibility for that and go for it. There is in you more power than you can imagine. And when you, if, if, if you are always defeated, if you're always miserable, if you're always negative, it's because the spirit isn't being released in you. We live in a culture that medicates and counsels the body and the mind. What if the 60% of spirit that makes up body, mind, and spirit was touched by Jesus in you? I believe that because we're dehydrated spiritually, as the spirit grows, healing is released in body, mind, and spirit. I'm intrigued to know how much of that spirit growing in us would actually release power for healing. You can't see the spirit, but you'll know its evidence as you ask God to fill you. Let's stand and ask him, shall we? There's mysteries. I remember going through a period of time where I never went, you know, I didn't go to church and I, and I often missed going to communion. And communion, you know, I don't have a mystical thing about communion. But I've been sort of sharing in communion on and off for 50 years. And one thing I noticed was when I'm not participating in communion regularly, something's missing. I can't even put my finger on it. And that's what I mean by nurturing your spirit. You know, you, don't, you can't tell every moment what the impact is. But you can begin to tell the cumulative moments what the impact is becoming. Does that make sense? Stop looking for quick fixes and experiences and start positioning yourself. Your children get educated by attending school every day. You have meals every day. One and one equals three. Work out the next equation. If you want to nurture the Spirit, start engaging every day. Bit by bit by bit. Does that make sense? Yes. So Father, we just pray for your Spirit to be released on this body tonight. We pray 
uh, that we would maybe have a new appreciation of how we've neglected your spirit and how much uh, we've tended to give priority to our bodies and minds and really had maybe even a cavalier or, or a negative view of the spirit. The spirit is not emotion. The spirit is life. Jesus said the flesh counts for nothing. The spirit is life. But thank you that you don't show us this tonight just to accuse us and go, oh my word, I've given up. God just wants to rain down on you His Spirit right now, on all of us and say, receive my Spirit afresh. Receive my Spirit afresh. Pay attention to my Spirit. My Spirit is my gift of life to you. It is through my Spirit that you will begin to get revelation of things that your body and mind cannot understand the kingdom of heaven will become clear as you allow my spirit to work in you. My spirit will be released in you to bring you peace that is beyond understanding. My spirit will be released in you to give you joy and hope and confidence beyond understanding. You'll just go, something's changed, I don't know what it is. It's God's spirit strengthening you on the inside. The first thing that God's spirit will do in you is say, you are my son and you are my daughter you are well loved. I hold you in my hand. Do not be afraid. Live day by day with me. Your life will be chaotic until the day you die in some form because you live in a broken world. Stop trying to escape your life and get neurotic about keeping your life orderly. Let me give you the same thing I gave Saul or Paul so that when life isn't great, you still know my peace and my presence. And when people see your response to adversity like that, they will say, I want to know this Jesus because I see it in your life. Amen? Yeah. So receive the Holy Spirit. Anything that you've brought in here tonight that is discouraging, anything that's weighing you down, anything at all, let Jesus pour into you his spirit that will counter that and will lift that like that magnet off so that it actually, that magnet is effortlessly suspended by a power beyond itself. So receive the fullness of God, the full measure of his love, the full measure of his strength. And if you've asked him, he is faithful and just, he says, and he will be in you. So guess what? You are as filled as He can fill you. And as you live life and draw on that fullness, He will refill you. So you can lay hands on the sick and speak healing over them. You can be kind to people. You can draw near to them. You can serve them. All manner of things. Father, I pray over this next week you'll give us revelations of your presence, experiencing your goodness among us. And just as that magnet and that example I've shown you up there is to give us a encouragement about the invisible, as we gather around this table, it's also a visible means of coming to an invisible truth. And the invisible truth is that Jesus has drawn us together as a, a company of believers to encourage and care for one another, to help us grow in the things 
we can't see, but we can know. And so Jesus, after supper, when he was at supper with his disciples, before he was going to suffer, filled with the Spirit, bold and, and, and full of courage, even though he was afraid, he took bread and he broke it.